Well, thanks, buddy. Uh, who are you? I'm a guardian angel. In <laughs> fact, I'm, uh, I'm looking for uh, an Al Bundy. Do you know an Al Bundy? I'm Al Bundy. No! Would <laughs> oh, you stop playing Nintendo up there for a minute? What kind of mess have you got me into? What have you done to me? <laughs> Just have to give me a minute with this, Bundy. I thought I was here to save a human soul. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. I saw mommy kissing. Santa Claus. What's up, guys? This is the Married with Children podcast, and we are back for our second half of this epic saga. It's a Bundy for life. My name is Al, and I lamented I had no shoes until I met the man who sold them. My name is Jamie, and I've got Bulgaria, and it's terminus. <laughs> and I'm Dan. You know how many people with lives a lot better than mine commit suicide this time of year? Ooh, lots, man. Stay away from the razors. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, we are back for part two of It's a Bundy Full Life. This is the yeah. big episode where Sam Kennison guest stars as Angel. That's what it says on the VHS cover that you... That's could, his name. Yeah, well, on the VHS cover you could have bought, it says, with Sam Kennison as, in quotes, Angel. <laughs> Angel. Oh, oh, oh! Season 4, episode 12, air date December 17th, 1989. Immediately after the first episode of this two-parter was aired, director Jerry Cohen, writers Michael Moy and Ron Levitt, Al blows his last chance for a Merry Christmas until a gruff guardian angel shows him how his neighborhood would be without him. Who wrote that? His neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Someone who hasn't watched the episode. <laughs> and this is on the official release of from Sony. Because I stopped <laughs> reading IMDb because those were so bad. Mm. Here, let me see what that says. His guardian angel decides to pay Al a visit and shows him what life is like without him born. Okay, that's more like it. <laughs> the, the The Jablonskis are a perfect family and the roads are more like the Bundys except without Al. Who is writing these? Wow, that's not even in the episode. I don't even know what they're talking about. Wow. I think someone's sabotaging this. Yeah, there's definitely something going on. That's a shame, though, because I would love to have seen that. (laughs) Yeah, what did the roads do in that that little clip there, that segment? Who here knows what a Christmas club is? Oh, isn't that where morons put money in the bank to get 2% interest instead of the normal five? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 
Anyway, I've got one of these Christmas club things and uh, was able to save a pretty penny this year. So, in addition to our annual Christmas feast at Denny's... <laughs> this year, we're getting presents. Oh, we're getting presents. I can't believe it. This will be the worst Christmas I ever had. I'll wind up home alone, sitting in the dark. That is, unless some friends invite me over. <laughs> I feel so bad for her. So, Al, we're really going to get presents. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> I pick up the money tomorrow morning. Uh, this is going to be the greatest Bundy Christmas ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that was a nice little recap of what we just talked about. No wonder Al Bundy's life is so miserable. Look who he's got for a guardian angel. Loser! Sam Kinison in a one-hour Married with Children tonight. Tonight on Married with Children, Al meets his guardian angel. You know I'm Al Bundy? I'm Al Bundy. No! And sees what life would be like if he'd never been born. It's me! She doesn't know you're there, buddy. Just like when you're having sex. <laughs> Sam Kinison guest stars on a one-hour Married with Children next. This uh, second half, as we said, it aired the same night, so it was a two-parter on December 17th, 1989. The recorded date was December 8th, 1989. Now, what's so special about that date, Alex? Well, Kelly's birthday in real life is November. Oh, (laughs) shit. Her birthday is November 25th, so we get to completely comment on... This unbelievable outfit that she walks down the stairs. Kelly is wearing by far the hottest outfit she has ever been seen in thus far. Would you agree? I would agree. Yes. And she said, but damn. Every time, every single time, I'm just floored when she walks down the stairs. I'm like, wow, I knew this episode was good, but uh, wow. (laughs) I, I feel something. Uh, Ford wouldn't be the word that I would use for me personally, but yes. <laughs> uh, what if it's a hardwood floor? <laughs> that would be more accurate, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, there you go. It's an indescribable outfit, and I will post it <clears throat> on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook group page. You better be a member of at least one of those three things because yep. uh, that's how we communicate we reminisce on our last podcast everybody gives their thoughts on everything that we talked about and we post pictures of hot girls on the episode or hot chicks like kelly all the time so yeah so i guess we can get past that if you guys don't mind (laughs) and go easy you savages just because you can doesn't mean you should (laughs) kelly honey hurry up daddy will be home any minute with our presents (laughs) Oh, and did you dress for the annual Bundy Christmas feast at Danny's? Is this okay, Mom? I haven't worn it since Grandma's funeral. Well, it did knock 20% off the embalming. Hey, maybe they'll give us a deal on the Christmas platter. Uh, But that outfit, actually, uh, it's their annual Bundy 
Christmas feast at Denny's outfit, which doubles <laughs> as Al's mother's funeral dress. <laughs> That's fitting. <laughs> yeah, low cut top, belly exposed, mini skirt. I mean, it's it's just got it all. It's tighter than all hell. Now we all know Kelly wears outfits like that to funerals, uh, which was evident in Requiem for a Dead Barber. We saw that hot little uh, funeral dress she wore, and I did post that on her Facebook. <laughs> now they have snow cones that are literally snow cones. I'm surprised they had ice cream cones. That's kind of a big deal for them, right? Like, they're eating toaster crumbs, and suddenly we're supposed to think they're low lives because they're putting actual snow on these cones, but they're real cones, like, bought from a store. <laughs> so they got ice cream cones, no food, beer in the fridge. <laughs> Priorities. Cr- yeah, toaster crumbs, crumbs and tang. Toaster crumbs. So, and cough medicine, apparently. And by the way, you're not supposed to have snow cones and actual ice cream cones. You're supposed to have it in, like, those paper cups. So, mm-hmm. like, that just shows how stupid Peg is again or something. Like, who actually eats the uh, uh, ice cream cone cone when you're having a snow cone, right? It's no sense. Isn't that, like, the other half of the joke that maybe people kind of even overlook? Yes. <laughs> okay, come help me make snow cones for Daddy. Bud, hurry up! We can't make them without you! Here's the snow. Okay. Who wants lime? I do. Hand me the mouthwash. I want cherry. Okay, give me the cough syrup. Like, do we all know why that's wrong? (laughs) Yes. People get high off of cough syrup all the time. But at least back then they didn't make you, like, sign a form and take your ID and, 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 right. and, and make you go through five metal detectors before you try and leave CVS to get it. Do you remember that episode of 90210? Brandon, I think it was Brandon, was cough syrup, was syruping. Well, <laughs> he was? Oh, wow. I, that I think it was 90210. I, I don't remember Brandon doing it. And Well, the, the ingredient that gets you high is DXM. Rod, oh, die. <laughs> oh, DXM, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, not DMX. <laughs> Daddy! Now, kids, give your father a chance to relax. Make room. Gimme, 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 I think we've fallen a tad short of the true meaning of Christmas. It's about love, about family. I think something's rotten in the state of Denver, Mom. <laughs> Which makes no sense for two reasons. One, they're not in Denver. And Denver's not a state. Okay, three reasons. <laughs> uh, Denmark is what she is supposed to have said. Now, what is that from? Hamlet. Hamlet. Someone in Hamlet actually says that. Yeah, no one calls her on that either, which they just kind of look at her. <laughs> yeah. Do they know Do they know she's wrong? I don't know. And as they're all contemplating uh, why Al has no presence, he delivers his second creepy smile of this two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, there's another one. You're right. <laughs> wow. 
What an odd choice. Yeah, two creepy smiles in one legendary episode, one two-parter episode. <laughs> so, Al, I uh, notice you're not burdened down with presents for your loving family. Are they uh, in the car? Well, no. <laughs> Are they uh, being delivered? No. <laughs> Are they invisible? <laughs> well, you guys get to ask the good questions. If for once you let me go first, I would have asked if they were being delivered. And I like how he answers them as if he could get out of this. He's like, Right. He's like, are they in the car? He's like, well, no. Yeah. Like, he's answering them as if he could eventually tell them where the presents actually are, but they are just guessing the wrong answers. It's it's funny to hear the rest of the family and how little they try with their lies, but then you switch it around with Al, and he's just trying so hard because he knows what's to come. Right, right. <laughs> you see, I was coming home with great presents when I was surrounded by a band of Bears and Indians. <laughs> See, normally you wouldn't think the two would get along, but there they were. <laughs> I fought them with everything that I had, but they, they took all my presents, and they, uh, they flew away. Oh, Daddy, are you okay? <laughs> Rest, Kelly. And it's weird that he says that, because those are my two teams in sports, uh, the Chicago Bears and the Cleveland Indians. So that's that's like a weird combination to put together. And yeah, but then he says they flew away. <laughs> <laughs> like if there was any bit of credibility, like Kelly believed him, yeah, and then they flew away. <laughs> oh, Daddy, are you okay? Can you imagine your whole life was just being with Kelly? Like you could just lie about anything. She's like, oh, really? Yeah, I, I'd somehow make it work. I'd make that work. Yeah. You do have presents, don't you, Al? We kissed your hand and called you daddy. The bank closed. Ah, you rotten mullet head. Ah, you rotten mullet head. (laughs) I like that line. That was one of my favorite lines, actually. Uh, And for the record, Al does not have a mullet. No, no, but it was still a good line. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It wasn't my fault. I did everything that I could. A real daddy would have held up a liquor store. (laughs) They're open till six, you know. Silent night, deadly night. Remember that? When the Santa held up a liquor store and he shot the guy. And then he uh, later on met the family down the road. Yeah, I was thinking of more lines. When did the sticky bandits? I thought they got Duncan's toy store. (laughs) Did they rob a liquor store on the way to Kevin's house? I was I was thinking of the donut shop robbery in Boogie Nights. Mm. Oh, my God. Wow. Jamie's going really dark on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He's talking about a Santa who murdered a family and raped the mom. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) She's talking about people consensually. Uh, Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So Al wanted the extra three cents worth of interest. So he was willing to risk not taking the money out of the bank the day before Christmas Eve in order to buy presents. That is just unbelievably stupid to me. Three cents. And he justifies it, like we said earlier, with a joke that was going to be our waitress's tip. 
<laughs> but he is known as No Tip Bundy. So what's the difference? <laughs> I mean, I still I don't. Well, it, it is the Christmas, day, so it's a special occasion. So he's got a tip of three cents. Yeah, that's true. I'm surprised that they still get to eat out anywhere. I'm surprised right? anybody anybody will wait on them. <laughs> I mean, because we have people. I mean, there are people that I flat refuse to wait on. Yeah, I won't. You know, yeah. And uh, there's this one guy who goes to the restaurant where I used to work. He still goes there. Uh, there's one waitress who will wait on him. No one what? else will do it. They will walk away from him. They'll tell him to get out. Like why? What? What kind of disgusting? Well, because thing? well, he's first of all, he's just rude and nasty. Like he's just really mean, and then he doesn't tip. And wow. <laughs> and they're like, uh, you know, why would I waste my time? You're going to be nasty to me. You're going to be rude to me. And then you're not even going to tip me? No. Right. So I'm really shocked that they even can still go to Denny's. I mean, if they are in the habit of tipping their waitress 30 cents. Yeah. For a family no, three of three cents. Oh, oh, my goodness. Three cents. So that would be six cents today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did you have to pull up the calculator? Inflation calculator. Inflation calculator. That was quick, dude. Man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just because we don't have presents doesn't mean we can't have Christmas. Daddy, Christmas without presents is like Thanksgiving without pizza. <laughs> In right? this now, case. Do you get to eat the whole thing or just the top and save the crust for later? Yeah, just the cheese. <laughs> but Bud can't do that anymore. We all know that. So we're going to come up with a new game plan next year. Uh, and it's weird because Christmas without presents in the Bunny's house is not like Thanksgiving without pizza. It's They always get the pizza on Thanksgiving, but they don't always get presents. So I'm actually surprised that comparison was made. They are totally disappointed in Al. They leave him there and go to Denny's anyway. Because Peg <laughs> had like eight bucks on her. And they head out there. Leaving Al completely alone. Well, buck old friend. I guess it's just you and me, huh, boy? Fine. Fine. Why does Buck have a beef with Al? Like, was he expecting a present? <laughs> what would, you know, like, why would he have any uh, problem? No, Maybe cause... he's mad because Peg took his jack- took took the jacket. Took the jacket back. <laughs> he's got nothing to lay on now. Oh, she did? Well, she was going to wrap it up and give it to him for Christmas. She, she rewrapped that along with his toothbrush <laughs> that Kelly gave him. You guys just blew the lid off of that one. That's the <laughs> reason. Yep. Wow, nice catch. I knew there was a reason I wanted to reunite with you two. <laughs> I don't care. Enjoy my holiday. So Al has a big hole under his shoes when he puts his feet up on the table and that's really odd because uh, one of our members of our Married with Children research team, Annabelle Whitford, she realized that in the episode, you got to know when to hold them, which we all know is later on, season four, episode 16. If you look at the bottom of Al's shoes when he has his feet up on the table, you can still see 555 shoe imprinted on the bottom. Oh my God. God, you can. Yeah. So, and how is it on this episode, he has a hole 
and the other one is like totally like his left one is still destroyed uh quite a bit but later on it's more intact <laughs> and still has the imprint of uh an episode or two ago hmm or actually at that point it's it's a few down the road it almost make you wonder if like Al Bundy's wardrobe they just like have like four pairs of shoes and he just randomly picks one once in a while you know are they the same shoes technically no I guess but well I mean the hole in the shoe too would imply that he doesn't because it it would make sense for him to be a woman's shoe salesman and still not really have like (laughs) that much access to nice shoes you know what I mean yeah (laughs) <laughs> like if it was a men's shoe store, yeah. But it is a woman's shoe store, so yeah, it would make sense. He can't steal good shoes for himself. Good, good catch though. Yeah, That's awesome. yeah, good stuff. Now this um, episode was heavily edited, uh, especially when they like rebroadcast it, and definitely in the Sony DVD releases, which was the first releases of Married with Children, when uh, Mills Creek took over, or Mill Creek, however you say it. When they took over, they said that everything was going to be intact, and that was their way to get you to buy these again. Now, mm. they're still cool because they released them all for 25 bucks, which is far. I think I paid, like like I said one time, uh, 18 to 22 or $3 for each season when it was released by Sony, yeah, back in the early 2000s. So uh, the fact that you guys could get all 11 seasons for $25 is is amazing. Um, but yeah, so supposedly it's a whole thing about and I and like we said, this was released on VHS back in the you know 90s or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that was. That VHS copy is exactly 47 minutes long. Now if you did 22, 22, 44, then add the extra three minutes. That then you you could probably say that everything's intact, but who knows how that timer worked? If they're counting as soon as this tape starts rolling, I really don't know. If anybody out there knows, post it on our Facebook, Twitter, or email us, and we will talk about that on the season four wrap up show, which will be exclusive on our Patreon, along with uh, a bunch of video commentaries we still have on there, and our season three wrap up show is still on there on our Patreon. Please support the show. It's a lot of work every week that goes into it. Uh, it would be great for you guys to support and everybody who does. Thank you. Um, but back to this unedited DVD from Mills Creek. One of the things that are cut out of this, there are two things that I noticed. And one of them is um, Al singing Winter Wonderland after he goes to pet Buck. And he mm-hmm. growls. He remember he goes. Nah, 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 nah. Yep. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is listening. Just the dogs. <laughs> Just the man who's losing his mind. <laughs> Beautiful sight. Happy tonight. Oh, please somebody shoot me. <laughs> That's not in the other DVDs. And then Al goes outside to fix uh, his Christmas lights. He figures I'll light them up, whatever, what the hell. And he's funny because I always find it funny when people decorate their house the day of Christmas Eve or the two days before or whatever. It's like, why bother? Right. Like, would you even waste your time with any of that if you weren't going to have it out there for at least a month? If it's not out there like two weeks before, then I just give up altogether. Right. 
Yeah, like, Jamie, how do you decorate your house? I I always do it December 1st. I do a full month, and I leave them on for a week or two after Christmas. Right. I always used to do, on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. I would put up the Christmas tree and start decorating. Sometimes I'll wait till December 1st, and then I always take stuff down New Year's Day. Oh, okay. But um, I have in the past... If I've been like not in the mood, like just not very Christmassy, I've waited until two weeks before or a week before if I had something happening, like an event mm. or people coming over, mm. and I just hadn't felt like it up to that point. I what I have never gotten is the yeah the people who put up their Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. Yeah, what a waste of time and money. To well, me, it's just not worth it if you wait that if you do it then. But I mean, that's tradition with some people, so. Right. Whatever, but I've never done that. You know, I I, I do know how I I'm always excited to put up my Christmas decorations because I have a lot of Christmas decorations, so I, it is exciting. But then every year when I go to take them down, it's it's um yeah it's pain. But then when they're when they are down and my house is back to normal, there's right. like a relief, you know, yes. because it, it doesn't it feels so less cluttered. It's <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not as garish. You know, it's because weird that way, right? Everything's all colorful and everything during the right. time and lit up. And so when that all comes down, I'm like, ah. ah. You know? <laughs> so, well, and not only that, it's a sign of relief that all the holidays are over. Thank God. You know, because yeah. really they start uh, when I start decorating in October yeah. or oh, not in October. Yeah. But when I start decorating for Halloween, then it's just nonstop until after Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. I I have had the worst luck for the last two years. I've owned this house now for two years and had two winters here. And I go to great lengths to put lights across the top. <clears throat> I have like a bi-level house. It's straight across uh, both gutters. Like the Well, not, I don't have gutters. But well, like, that doesn't make it exactly straight across, does it? If it's bi-level? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, God. Jesus. Man, I got to really, like, pick up on you. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) you you put lights on, like, the lower half, which is easy with just a regular ladder. Then I have to go on top of my roof like Griswold and (laughs) put the lights uh, across the entire gutter of the top. Two years in a row now. The lights on the top where I almost killed myself to put them up, they <laughs> stop working two weeks before Christmas. Could you believe that? And I, I can't even begin to wonder why they stop working and the bottom ones are fine. Nah, dude, you got to do it like Griswold. You got to go through every one, one by one. <laughs> I find it. The twinkle lights. Yeah, they're they're not twinkling. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Art. <laughs> oh my god. So Al goes to fix Okay, so Al lights his lights up and only one light lights up. Now, he is doing even worse than Homer Simpson at the same exact time. If you both remember, The Simpsons first episode ever was this year this December, and it was a Christmas episode. Nice. Yeah. I I, al- I also feel like, too, uh, especially in this instance, um, Al is kind of like a, uh, a early incarnation of Tim Taylor. Really? 
I don't know. I don't. I I really didn't watch that show that much. His whole thing was he, he has a show called Tool Time. He just can't fix anything, and he just gets messed up from literally anything that he tries to make, and he always tries to put more power into it, and it never works out. Wow. Oh, oh, my God. You won't believe this, guys. What? The Simpsons roasting on an open fire, the first Simpsons ever aired Don't tell. tonight, December no. 17th, 1989. What? Wow. Can what? you imagine? And I was there for that. That means I probably watched this live. That's weird. Wow. That's crazy. Because I, I know I watched The Simpsons live, and I was big into Mare with Children, like, basically from the beginning. Me too. I mean, I was there that night. Wow. These both aired on the same night on the same channel. That's cool, though. That's so cool to know in terms of the date because – that's pretty much like the beginning of Fox in its heyday. Oh, God. Like, because I would say so just with Married with Children, yeah. But, like, The Simpsons took Fox to a new level. Married with Children saved Fox because they were out for, you know, three and a half years before The Simpsons. And and they brought Fox into a real – because remember the whole uh, thing going on with Terry Ricolta when she protested the show and the rating shot up 300%. So Mara Children is the one that put uh, Fox on the map and then the Simpsons rode that straight up. But but together though, right? Wouldn't you say that was Fox in its heyday when the Simpsons oh, and yeah. Mara Children were going? I mean that was the time, dude. God, dude. So many big shows were on at this time. Even 90210, that was a huge show on Fox. Like – all these big, oh, yeah. Sh- yeah, yeah. All these big name shows were on Fox, and Fox was like a, a favorite channel of mine at the time because they had all the good stuff. We watched all the same shows. <laughs> we were watching TV at the same time. Oh, and one day we'd get together. Warms the cockles. <laughs> oh, I love you. All right, I like Dawson's I was only Creek. Four. <laughs> hey, I watched Dawson's Creek too. Yeah, but I want a hug. Aw, I'll give you a hug. Yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, we have a show to do. I mean, uh, we have to get to... Oh, 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 so Dan's going to love this. So, uh, Dan, what happens when Al's uh, messing with his lights outside? Who does he talk to? <laughs> oh, Don and my boy Donnelly, dude. dude. Do we ever get to see Donnelly? No, but I will verify that it is the same voice both times. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Donnelly, dude. And I love how uh, <laughs> Al's jokes towards Donnelly are always pretty much always the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> always making fun. I was going to criticize that, but you know what? I think. I love it. Right. It might be a good thing because what that might be telling us is that, listen, I think the mailman's really banging Donnelly's wife. If Al's going to mention this three times now. Hey, Bundy, my family got me a new TV set for Christmas. What are you getting? Well, if I was one of the guys down in the post office, Donnelly, I'd be unwrapping your wife. (laughs) (laughs) It has to be true, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, why would you go for the same pointed joke every time if it wasn't true? 
Right. <laughs> Good old Donnelly. I love it. I love their exchange. But And even furthermore, though, I do love how you never even see him. It's perfect. <laughs> hey, Bundy! We're having steak tonight! What are you having? And uh, you better watch out. I guess when when Al tells the kid, um, when he dresses up as Santa and comes out and the kids sit on his lap, and he tells the kid... Tell Daddy to come home around the time the mailman comes by, uh, and he'll get a, a you know a present. He goes, "What do I get? A fresh new mommy." <laughs> so yeah, that must have been Donnelly's kid. We put must it, have been right. We put it all together. Uh, Nestor was his son, and his uh, daughter sells Girl Scout cookies. Yep. So now here's another scene that I swear was cut. Every time after I bought the Mills Creek edition of these this show, every time I see Marcy come up to Al all drunk and talking to him in front of his uh, front door, that is always very strange to me. It's as if I don't remember it ever. They also Wait. do. Yeah, good. I didn't see that. Really? Yeah. Earlier, when you guys were talking about um, when you guys Sierra were Oxen? talking about her saying. Yeah, the bony. That look at that bony butt. Right. Bony yeah, I, I, I was like, where the hell was I? Like, what, what was I doing when I was watching this episode that I totally missed this exchange? Well, now, what do you watch this on? Well, and I said I had a recap, right? So, mine is clearly a different version than yours. <laughs> clearly, that's so weird. I don't know. I'll have to go look. But yeah, the um, Mills Creek doesn't have the recap. No, but I know I've seen it. I wonder if it's on my Sony edition. Hmm. And the Sony is the one that you think cuts out everything else. Is, okay, so yeah, it must be, it must be Sony then. Wow, because you I can have, have your little recap, I had recap, and I didn't have that scene. Yeah, you can take that. I'll take that scene. All so I was right then. Oh wow, perfect! You verified it. You don't see Marcy coming up to Al. Nada, you were wrong. No, no. I was right that Marcy does not. Co- <laughs> well, get out of here. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, these guys try and confuse me for no reason. <laughs> Excuse me, Marcy. I'm Al. Do you know where I live? Why didn't you let me in the bank, Marcy? I was going to, but I got so sleepy. I guess I fell asleep. But you gotta see this. Some bimbo got so smashed, she Xeroxed her behind. Everybody got one. Imagine the humiliation when she shows up for work Monday morning. (laughs) Yeah, it's a Christmas to remember, all right. Well, let's get you home. Now, we'll hail a cab, tell him to take you to Dock 43, walk up to the first toothless man you see, show him this picture, and you're home. (laughs) Thank you, Al. That sounds, like, horrific, though. Like, she's going to get raped or something. Show them this, and and they'll set you up, and they'll bring you to your house. Is that what was really implied, though? Yeah. That's pretty dark. This episode is dark. He sent her to the docks. Don't tell anybody, but I'm going to go throw up in your next-door neighbor's mailbox. (laughs) Look at this scrawny little thing. (laughs) So she's throwing up in her own mailbox, obviously. Oh, I thought it was Donnelly's. Oh, yeah, right. That'd be funny. She imagine she was like, I'm going to pay that guy back. I think it's funnier if she pukes in her own mailbox. But she, I know. Yeah, no, totally. But she's probably still high from the painkillers that she got from the last episode there. 
What's funny is when we talked about how, oh, remember how in the very beginning of the show when we were talking about the synopsis that you read and how it said how their neighbors would be if he wasn't there? Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, you know what's funny? And this is all in my head. I was like, you know what's funny is we don't see them at all this episode. <laughs> no, it, it made no and sense. And then you it's guys nothing. were talking about her with Boney well, and the, all of that. And I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, she is in this one. Not Steve, though. Steve's oh, wow. already at Mommy's. Yeah, you do see Marcy. I guess at that point, after the Marcy scene, Al lights the lights, only one comes on. Uh, and like I said, Homer had better luck, because I think Homer had like four of the lights come on, and one of them just kept blinking till they popped. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. For some odd reason, Al takes a knife to the lights, which would help nothing. I, I, I don't even know what he was thinking. And he gets electrocuted with 120 volts. And he goes right to the ground, and he's completely unconscious. <laughs> now, it happens. Uh, he gets woken up by his guardian angel, Sam Kennison. Hey, buddy. You all right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you are. Thanks, buddy. Uh, who are you? I'm a guardian angel. <laughs> fact, I'm, uh, I'm looking for uh, an Al Bundy. Do you know an Al Bundy? I'm Al Bundy. No! <laughs> oh, would you stop playing Nintendo up there for a minute? What kind of mess have you got me into? What have you done to me? <laughs> Uh, God, (laughs) this episode, I basically have been even like, uh, coming up with, oh yeah, married children podcast. That'd be really cool. And you know, it's cool generally, but then when you start thinking of certain episodes, you can't wait to get to, this is probably the, the top of them. And I'm not even saying it's the best episode. It's, it's sort of beyond that kind of thing. I'm not saying this is the best writing ever. I'm not saying this is the best anything. But there's just something magical and something great and iconic about this episode that cannot be contested. Because uh, anybody growing up in the 80s and uh, early 90s and stuff like that, they all know how big this is and they all know what it all means and, and the future and how it became more important. Uh, so Sam Kennison is a comedian. Uh, a lot of people don't know a lot of things that we'll definitely get into here. But so he was an how do you say it, evangelical preacher. His you know his whole family was into that kind of thing. So he'd get up there and he'd talk about Jesus and stuff like that in church, and do all these you know he'd speak like that. And and that's the funniest thing about him because. When you heard Sam's comedy, it was the complete opposite of what a churchgoer would probably go to. Mm-hmm. So the idea that he was the guy you were listening to in church, he, he kind of became um, disillusioned with church. Well, and, and also, Alex, one thing that they leave out that um, that is in the book that his brother wrote is he he got hit by a car as a kid. And he wasn't like that before. So he... 
he hit his head pretty hard and he get, so and i guess he was pretty quiet and then after that it it just emerged it's a crazy aspect they definitely highlight it and uh, i've heard a lot of people talk about it but who can really say but uh if you were to ask the people really close to him like his brother who made the book yeah that was a big part of it and he was not the same Sam Kinison that we've known to love um, before. Isn't that crazy? It's so weird to me, but I've seen a lot of cases where people get head injuries and it completely changes their personality. Yeah. Yep. Well, it changed his for the best. I mean, (laughs) I mean, except for, uh, well, he has a dark side to him that we'll touch upon, but. All stand-up comedians do, though, or at least the good ones, because that's what makes for good comedy is uh, it has to come from darkness. Typically, typically, I guess. That's why I'm so funny, you know? Yeah. Carrot Top is so dark. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just insanely hilarious for the same reasons, and I think that's what... <laughs> You're also delusional, not disillusioned. <laughs> hey, being on the verge of suicide every second of your life is makes for funny stuff. <laughs> It's hilarious. Uh, but I definitely connect with this guy. He is in my top uh, three, probably, favorite comedians of all time. Oh, wow. really? Oh, yeah. I have, uh, like, last night, I watched The Complete Sam Kennison. It's a DVD set. Uh, it featured Breaking the Rules and Family Entertainment oh. Hour, <laughs> yep. which was yep. the opposite of that. I think it was on HBO. And, uh, yeah, I watched tons of Sam Kennison last night in preparation for this, getting totally engulfed in the whole thing. For those of you who don't know, who are not that into it or him or whatever, uh, he was uh, in the movie Back to School with Ronnie Dangerfield and Robert Downey Jr. And Ronnie Dangerfield gave him his his big break. Right. Exactly. And Rodney Dangerfield is one of my top people, too. I was going to say, isn't Rodney Dangerfield one of your favorite comedians as well? Mm-hmm. Take my wife, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I used to be a big Sam Kinison fan back in the day, like yep. back when he was current. I, however, have not watched anything that he's done in years until I knew this episode was coming up. And then I've started watching some things uh, recently. And... I rem- I just I had forgotten how much I liked him. Mm-hmm. Well, now Jamie, do you think it still holds up today, though? Um, yeah, I think it's funny that a lot of the stuff he says, uh, a lot right. of, and, and this is true of any comedian back then, or at least right. the edgy, edgy ones. A lot of the stuff they said would never hold up. I mean, would never you couldn't get away with it. Be allowed, right? You know, and mm-hmm. that's a whole different oh, subject. Yeah. Um, Dave Chappelle. Uh, recently. Richard Pryor. You know, oh yeah, Chappelle. Yeah. Um, but that I mean that's a whole different subject, and we all know how I feel about that. But um, <laughs> the, I, I don't like it. But I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I was watching. I was like, wow, this is so subversive and great. But that's what makes it great, mm-hmm. you know. But it was at a time when you when you could do that, right? And not get the same kind of backlash. There was always backlash because there were people who just you know have always been stuffy and didn't like edgy comics, but, and he would go, he would take things farther than a lot of people were comfortable with. Oh God. The, the Jesus jokes were unbelievable. Oh, I know. But that's to me, that's the best comedy, right? You know, it's, that's the point of, of good comedy is to take it where no one else will, because if you're just going to 
say the same things we'd say to each other on the street, why would I pay you for that? Uh, right. And, and guys, and I agree with that so much that that's a big part of it, you know? But at the same time, like, okay, so at this time you got like Dice Clay, who did the exact same thing, right? Just different approach, obviously. Well, right? yeah, they were rival comics, yeah. Oh, they were rival. Well, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of like that edgy comic mm. stuff that you're talking about, Jamie, right? But here's the thing about Kinnison, where it just it's his delivery. Like, obviously, the the way he approaches things is so funny by the time he's screaming that that gets me every time. Like, it's just and it's almost like an easy thing to go to. But when you know his personality and, and you start putting all those jokes together and you realize, like, this is really him, like, this really is his personality. And don't get me wrong, all the edgy stuff and all the all the dark humor and all the subject matter that he touched on, definitely, I agree, uh, plays into it. But I just love that delivery, man. It's It, it still holds up uh, with, with the greats, you know? Oh, yeah. He is the great, you know? And if you... Uh... Like, there's a guy um, who hung out with Sam. He was, like, a part of his crew for, like, a little over a year. And he, uh, I don't know, re- yeah, I guess recently, in the last 10 years or whatever, he told everybody about this big secret of Sam Kennison that nobody ever knew. Ever. Which was what? Where Sam got his whole way he delivers and how he like says uh you know like when he was telling the story about how jesus <laughs> came back after being dead and his wife was like where were you savior and, and that whole part and the way he like talks low and then he builds into this kind of screaming and he just right. keeps screaming and then you know everybody knows that oh 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 you know they all know that but that I was used to do that all the time <laughs> I did a Sam Kennison impression when I I, I still do. And, and uh, my friends would be like, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> but the way he developed that, believe it or not, is from another amazing genius in the world named Gene Wilder. Oh, oh that's right. Yes. Yep. Yes. In a movie called uh, Young, Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. There's a scene where Gene Wilder, I guess it's when he first, uh, you know, <laughs> talks to this Frankenstein guy he made, and he just builds up into this whole crescendo of screaming. I'll play it right now. This is a nice boy. This is a good boy. This is a mother's angel. And I want the world to know... Once and for all, and without any shame, that we love him. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you how to walk, how to speak, how to move, how to think. Together, you and I are going to make the greatest single contribution to science since the creation of fire. Dr. Frankenstein, are you all right? My name is Frankenstein. And that's the clip 
where like Sam looked at that and he was so taken by that. He was like, wow, that's like a great, you know, comedic element that nobody really does. And it's, it was only done once and Gene Wilder's not going to sit there and keep doing it or whatever. So Sam saw something so, you know, profound in that or whatever. And it just affected him so much that he said, wow, screaming <laughs> at people is a way to definitely stand out. It's a little gimmicky, but that's what the 80s were really all about, gimmicks and stuff like that. But Sam had a lot of substance, too. Right. You know? Right. So when you combine gimmick and substance, you, you pretty much have a winning formula. Well, and, and even though you said that uh, it's only in that one scene with Wilder, you can kind of see that um, that erraticness in Willy Wonka, too, especially oh, in the yeah. latest. Oh, uh, yeah. You lose. Right. You get nothing. Yeah. Hey. I love Gene Wilder. So good. Uh, yeah. I know. Rest in peace, yep. bro. So funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He screams again, but it doesn't seem like it's not like a, a stick of Gene Wilder or anything, you know? I, I told and I know. And that's I just that's what I wanted to say, too. It's definitely not copying them. But since you um, since you mentioned that, you can definitely see the influence there for sure. Yeah. That's cool. And that's one of the biggest secrets nobody's ever known about, Sam. Hmm. Now, Sam uh, was a rock guy, too. He was big into rock music. So he had CDs and everything. One of his most famous... And he sang, believe it or not. And he his biggest song was Wild Thing. He redid that song. And there was a music video and everything. And in the video, they had Jessica Hahn. And he actually... St- oh, my God. I remember that. <laughs> we just did the Playboy episode, you know, the uh, Search for Miss October... And um, she was in Playboy nineteen November nineteen eighty seven December nineteen eighty seven. That's how big she was. And then September nineteen eighty eight. She had the greatest, biggest hair. Yep. It was awesome. Yep. And they actually hooked up. And there's like a legendary story about Sam having sex with Jessica Hahn, and he fell asleep while he was inside of her. And he got so bent out of shape because that story came out on Howard Stern. Jessica Hahn was on there and she told that story about how Sam fell asleep inside of her. He was so pissed, dude, that when they got back on the show together, he brought her to tears because he mentioned how she did this really crazy, perverted Mr. Ed bit on Howard Stern, but she recorded it the same week that her uh, mother died. Oh, so he killed her for it. Well, she was scheduled to do it, and then she kept she went ahead with it, even though her mom died. Right, and and then so Sam was so pissed about what she did to telling everybody about that. He was very like uh, I guess insecure about that story. At least I'm not saying he was an insecure guy, but he didn't want that being told. Um, and then he was like, "Oh yeah, I want you to do another Mr. Ed bit while your mom's dying." And she goes, "Oh Sam," and she she hangs up and leaves the show. Crap, I forgot she was unmarried with children. Oh, wow. Yeah. She eventually shows up on Married with Children in season six, episode 12. So this is how Sinatra felt. And that is a legendary, like, moment when she's on there. And it's this whole, you know, I don't like to get jump ahead or anything. But so she's going to be on the show, too. Um, And here's another crazy one. Sam Kennison, this is not the first time he was ever in a show with Katie Seagal. And you guys will know this. He was on Tales from the Crypt. 
Oh, and sh- remember the episode with Katie Seagal when yep. when uh, she's like dragging this guy's dead body or some some like she some guy was like poisoned or something and was dead, but you hear his inner voice and it's Sam Kennison. Mm-hmm. And it's Katie Seagull is like the evil person of that episode. It's called uh, it's season two, episode eight. It's called "For Crying Out Loud." That's that. So they wow. they were in an episode together already. That's cool. Yeah. So like I said, he was on. He was a regular in Howard Stern. I have every single appearance. Uh, one time on uh, Howard's serious thing, they did a Sam Kennison special, and I downloaded it. So I have every single Sam Kennison episode on Howard. Nice. He got into this big beef with uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Do you guys remember him? Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. And wasn't he the voice on the show that kind of ripped off Married with Children? Unhappily Ever After, yeah. Right. And he was the voice of what? That like uh, that speaking, whatever that was, on the couch? Yeah. 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 It's like a teddy bear, yeah. Yeah. So... He was uh, he had a huge fight with that guy on Howard because he felt that that guy stole his act because, you know, he would scream, too. Right. Bobcat, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, it's funny because Bobcat Goldthwaite was on Married with Children and he brought to the show probably the worst aspect ever at which most fans cite as the shark jumper. Remember when they brought the kids seven on? Oh, God. He was that kid's dad who dropped him off at the Bundy house. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So you almost you feel like, well, good. Sam hated the right people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Makes you know? sense. So uh, and here's one more tie in America, children. The classic scream of Sam can be heard at the beginning of uh, an Anthrax 1987 song. I'm the man. And Anthrax was on Married with Children. Oh, that's right. They were. Wow. Yeah, they had okay. when my, uh, a dinner with Anthrax mm-hmm. and they like totaled the house. <laughs> that song they play during that episode is the song that our show kicks off with after the intros. You know, like once we do the whole intro thing and the music is there and it stops yep. and then you hear that thing in the background when we first start talking, that's that song that Anthrax is playing. Ah, nice. Yeah. Back to the episode. Uh, Sam Kennison is looking for Al Bundy. Uh, once Al verifies that he is Al Bundy, Sam screams up to heaven. <laughs> No! <laughs> Stop playing Nintendo up there. What have you got me into? And when he's screaming to, I guess, Jesus or God or whoever he's talking to, I I wondered to myself, like, why is he reacting this way? You just have to give me a minute with this, Bundy. I thought I was here to save a human soul. <laughs> That's all right. Never mind. And if you already knew what kind of person he was... Why would you be surprised that the guy standing in front of you is Al? So why would you be so, like, freaked out by it? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, th- has he just seen this guy and, and saw his life or something? Yeah, I'm thinking that's kind of the angle that they were going for, yeah. but Or is Al's appearance so, like, jarring to this guy? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's, like, so funny. 
So uh, he goes to drink from a flask, but it's empty, and he makes the joke about Jesus turning water into wine, but he can't leave him any booze. (laughs) Uh, I always wanted to walk around with a flask. Have you guys ever done that? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, for a Patriots game. Wow, you could just drink anytime you want, huh? Pretty much. I've never had a flask, (laughs) He, I he, had one. I never <clears throat> really used it, though. Like, I never put it into practice. Right. Well, here's the thing about a flask, though. Look at the dimensions of it. You're not going to fit that much booze in. So it's okay. Like, it'll last you a little bit. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, it's just, you just I've not that much. I've always thought that. Every time I see someone drinking yeah. out of one in a movie I, or on TV, I'm like, well, that's that's not gonna go very far. I guess exactly. it's probably a few shots, but but it seems bottomless, right? Like it, whenever they do it in movies or whatever, it seems like it just never ends. Right? It's it's always completely off. Like people taking shots of it. Like, dude, that would make it halfway around that <laughs> circle and then be gone. <laughs> I guess maybe they take little sips. I guess, yeah, yeah. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, you're one of my wife's relatives. <laughs> I've never seen one upright before. <laughs> no, much like a neutered dog, you don't get it, Bundy. <laughs> Read my lips. I'm your guardian angel. <laughs> oh, I see. Hell, I got to apologize. I just thought you were a nut. <laughs> Well, I'll get my guitar and call Elvis. The three of us will rock in the New Year. And it's funny because Al goes to Elvis again. And, you know, there's that big Elvis episode of Married with Children that, you know, we already talked about on the podcast. And uh, Al brings him up again. So it's funny how that's like a, a thing in their life. And like I said, Sam was a real rocker. And he, you know, like I said, he did the song Wild Thing and stuff. So that wouldn't be so crazy for Sam to join in and do anything. <laughs> Hey, this is no sleigh ride for me either, Bundy. Usually on Christmas, I'd be over Moses' house. I'd be out by the pool. Wait for the new guy to jump off the board. And then Mo parts the water. Now that's Christmas. That's Christmas, man. <laughs> like, you imagine in heaven, a guy goes to jump in a pool and the water gets parted and the guy just smashes his head. <laughs> Yeah, that's and there was another instance too. uh, I forget what it was in this episode where, much like the Bosco incident, um, some of the funniest stuff just comes from them explaining things, like where you could just imagine something like that, and it's so ridiculous. Yeah, but I sort of fell from grace. They uh, they caught me scalping tickets to a Jimi Hendrix concert. (laughs) Yeah, here I am. But it's enough about me. Like, can you imagine you die and you go to heaven and you you have the same whole job and personality that you had here? Like, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix is still in heaven right now playing concerts. <laughs> and you run into Kennison trying to scalp tickets. Yeah. Yeah, can you imagine it? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he's... What do you pay for concerts with in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's the funniest joke you can't look into. <laughs> What's it gonna take to convince you that I'm your guardian angel? Fly around, play a harp. <laughs> hey, I'm an angel, not Tommy Tune. <laughs> I see it's the old standby, huh? 
tell you what, make a wish. Anything off the top of your head. Make my Christmas lights work. Oh, yeah, although that works great for the instance we're in and to move this along, <laughs> I just don't believe that would be Al's wish. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, why would he care about that? You are an angel. Hey, I want another wish. Aren't you supposed to get three? Hey, don't be a wish pig, Bundy, all right? <laughs> you want three wishes? Get a genie. <laughs> Besides, anything that I can't get a receipt for comes out of my own pocket. <laughs> oh, come on. Just give me one more. Turn the lights back off and give me the hee-haw girls. <laughs> I'm just sitting around waiting for them to die myself. I assume that he's talking about the girls from the show Hee-Haw, you know, that they would we- they would wear the really short cut-off shorts and the, the tied-up shirts and have the little pigtails and everything. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched Hee Haw when no. Hee Haw Hee Haw no, when I, you were I... growing up. Well, you should. It's very. It, it was actually pretty funny, and uh, I mean, it was a basically a, a sketch comedy show based around country. So um, the the whole shtick was that they were you know like hayseeds, gotcha. but but it was basically sketch comedy. So it was funny. Anyway, um, I know one of the Hee Haw girls. And that's Marianne Rogers, who also used to be Kenny Rogers' wife. Oh, my God. And, she, yeah, she was pretty hot back then. But, yeah, that, that was the thing is they were hot little, hot little country girls. Well, this show has 655 episodes, ran for 26 seasons from, eight, from 69 to 97. Oddly enough, they ended the same year the Married with Children show ended. Why it went for that long? Yeah. Well, hee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Huh. It's amazing a show could go that long and it never popped up on my radar. The only time I ever heard of it was Al. Like, it's never, ever been on my TV screen and never been anywhere in my circle of any traveling. Well, I and, and you think, too, of the time, so I'm automatically thinking in living color, right? And then I'm thinking after that, you know, in terms of like sketch comedy stuff, you got that. You got Saturday yeah, Night Live. Yeah, it's weird. And then later in the 90s, what was the one that came? Uh, Mad, no, Mad TV. TV yeah. You know, so. I know you think you got it tough. Your wife doesn't respect you. Your kids think you're a failure. A good day for you is when you don't come across any new foot diseases. Believe me, <laughs> I sympathize. But you think your life reeks? Take a whiff of mine, pal. My wife gained 100 pounds for every year we were married. <laughs> I hope they weren't married for more than two years. <laughs> I know. Yeah, get a little out of control. Well, if if he's making sort of a sideways reference to his one wife, they were married for two years, right? And yeah, she they took were. everything. Isn't that? Yep. Yeah. So maybe that's. He, uh, on his uh, comedy stand up, uh, Breaking the Rules, he talked about he was married for two years. A lot. She took everything. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, honey. Uh, Now, it's funny you say that. Now we're going to get to something kind of sad. I'm not going to get into it. I'll save it for the end of the episode so we can have at least a cheerful time for the duration of this. But then Sam makes a joke right after that. I hated driving home so much I had vanity plates written up that said, hit me. (laughs) Hmm. 
which is uh, the most eerie and profound sentence that will be spoken here. Um, the reason why is because um, in April of 1992, April 10th, I believe, six days after he got married to uh, Malika, on the way to a venue, he was driving and he had a head-on collision with another vehicle. The other driver was a drunk 17-year-old kid. And this was like 3.30 in the afternoon or, oh, wow. or something crazy. Yeah. I'll get into it at the end. I don't want to like talk about it too much now, but basically that's how Sam actually died. So it's it's so eerie that he said I he had, you know, license plates made up that said hit me and that's that's how he died. Mm. <clears throat> that's crazy, but I'll get more into like the details cuz it was kind of a strange uh detailing of how he died too. And one really weird thing for me is that now that we're it's funny how it all lands here. Uh, for for me anyway, that we're doing this episode now, and Sam died at age thirty eight, which is exactly what I am right now, and that's when we're covering this episode at thirty eight for me. Wow! Just please make it through this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but despite it all, she loved me. You know how I know? Because she told me. Oh yeah, when I was at work, she loved my father, my brother, my bookie. But when I found my grandfather's teeth in my bed under the pillow, then I knew there was trouble in paradise. <laughs> That's what I did. What any other man would do, Bundy. I canceled my insurance and I hung myself. Showed her, huh? <laughs> The reason you should never kill yourself to uh, get a reaction or to really show somebody is because people have this amazing ability to get over stuff. (laughs) 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 Like, no matter what or how tragic anything is, it's amazing how people get over things. Like, like, uh, I saw a girl whose father died recently, and within two months, I'm just looking at her across the room, and she's doubled over laughing with her friends and stuff, and I'm like... Well, I guess, I guess it's, it's not hanging over her every second, you know, like, like, mm. I, like, I don't know what he's supposed to be comatose, you know, forever. Uh, well, and also too, when you don't have a choice, you, you do adapt. You do. You know, people you know get over like, stuff. And that's not to say that, you I mean, know, it's you a didn't. survival thing. Of course. Like, what are you going to do? Pie? And I, listen, I know some people that do and I feel bad for them. But yeah, like I have experience losing people and you do learn to get over things pretty quickly. Yeah, and quickly, if right? people people look that people look at it like it's callous or whatever. But like you said, like, what do you want me to do? Like sit in my room? Right. And, Just keep twitching. Like, oh, my God. Oh, right. my God. Like, listen to early 2000s <laughs> emo music. Like, it's not going to happen. Well, and would they want you to do that? Right. Right. No. And I, I mean, would my dad, when he died, would he want me to spend the rest of my life miserable? Because No. Uh, well, I hope not. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, but I, I could never commit suicide to uh, get back at someone because I would never see their reaction. <laughs> and to me, revenge has no point if you can't see their reaction so you know i gotta i have to see it right so him doing this like i mean what did it show anybody i mean so she doesn't get some insurance money that's about it it's like okay well 
Eh, well, she moved on. She's just more worried about food anyway, apparently. <laughs> so, if he helps Al, he gets his wings. Now, obviously this episode is called It's a Bundy Full Life. So we're not going to gloss over the fact that this is all based on, more so than anything, uh, the second half. It's a Wonderful Life. The uh, Frank Capra 19, uh, I'm not looking, but I think it's 43 movie, three, uh, 46. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, great movie. Everybody knows this is a Christmas movie um, starring James Stewart as George Bailey, Donna Reed as Mary Hatch, um, Lionel Barrymore as Mr. Potter. That was the evil guy of the of the movie. Uh, it's a, a big movie. Most people know it. I myself, I play it every single Christmas, uh, for about 20 years now. Mm-hmm. But like we mentioned the Griswold's Christmas, uh, when, um, when Rusty was on the couch, uh, you know, cause he was home for the Christmas break, he was watching It's a Wonderful Life. And he's oh, that's right, and that's, that's the right. kid from Roseanne that we you know we talk about that show, <laughs> right? Every so often he's David, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and things like that. So uh, it's an iconic movie. It's it's amazing. The story is pretty compelling. Uh, they sometimes people break it down in weird ways, like Beavis and Butthead. I remember their Christmas special. They they did a parody of It's a Wonderful Life. Also, I think it's called like It's a Miserable Life or something. <laughs> It wasn't there a Bill Murray movie named Scrooged, kind of like this as well? No, that's the. What's I'm the sorry. Oh, that might be more uh, Christmas Carol. Ghost of Christmas. I'm sorry, I'm such an idiot. Well, that's what I was gonna say too. There's so many uh, Christmas episodes and 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 Christmas movies that you can watch, but you're definitely right. Like, it's a Wonderful Life. Definitely gets probably referenced the most would you say or one one of them so many movies play that on their tv mm-hmm. yeah especially like christmas things like that uh yeah beavis and butthead parodied uh it's a wonderful life in 1995 december 19th and it was called it's a miserable life jamie you watch it's a wonderful life oh yeah merry christmas movie house <laughs> merry christmas mr potter don't forget to bring a towel. Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, yeah. What I was going to say, actually, was that uh, if you break down that movie like Beavis and Butthead did really cynically, he had, you hear George, like, the Beavis and Butthead are watching It's a Wonderful Life, but <clears throat> they change the whole thing, and uh, they have George, they act like they're watching TV, and on the TV, George goes, Oh, Mary, look, everybody gave me money so I won't kill myself. <laughs> I do remember that. It's so messed up. <laughs> and it's like, oh god, it's not that simple. You know, like if you <laughs> But like they just happen to give him money and now he's not going to kill himself, but uh he, he you you're skipping over the whole thing where he realized he wants to live again. He cuz uh, right. the whole premise of the movie obviously is that he, you know, his guardian angel comes down when he's about to commit suicide. And uh, he shows him that life is worth living and that uh, he so I guess the only way he decides to show him is that, okay, I'll show you what your life would be like if you were never born. And that way he gets to see how he positively affected so many lives. George can't even bear to see how everybody's life is without him in it. 
it's kind of like the butterfly effect, you know, if, if one person's not around to do one thing, then years down the road, everyone's life is different right. because everything went a different path. Right. I do. I've always been intrigued by that concept. It hurts my head to try to map it out though. Like I, I, I've even in the past been like, what would happen if I wasn't here? Like how would people's life? And it's just, it's too much. Because you 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 come in contact with so many people throughout your life, and you do so many little seemingly insignificant things. But what if something as simple as me not stopping, not me not being there to stop at a stop sign one day, uh, was the reason for someone then crossing the street who got hit from a car coming in the other direction, and that never would have happened if I had stopped at that stop sign. So I mean, it's things that you could never, ever, ever. And that no person that you hit was me. <laughs> Think about that one. So we wouldn't have to hear this. Huh? No. Wow. See? See, yeah. So I just saved your life, Dan. See? See um, how that works? Thank you. But that's the thing is you, there are so many things that you would never, ever know. Right. I mean, you, you couldn't possibly know. There are the big ones that you would know about, you know. Like if I wasn't here, then Brian would be a miserable mess. Nah. <laughs> If I wasn't here, everybody would just be so bored. But you're right, though. Like, think about that from <clears throat> just not Al's perspective, but just from from an outside perspective where it's like, yeah, dude, life would be better without you in a sense. And that's kind of a weird thing to think about, right? Like, oh, wow. Like, the one of the saddest things you can think about is if I was taken out of this equation, hey, everybody would be happy, right? That was the Beavis and Butthead parody. They, what we all realize is that the world's better without Butthead. <laughs> like, everybody in that neighborhood was thriving. They all, they all had beautiful Christmas decorations because Butthead wasn't there to ruin them and stuff. And Beavis was like a really good guy. He was working in a soup kitchen and helping the homeless. And he was like best friends with Stuart and everything. And he, and he never said horrible things like bunghole and stuff. Like, but he was like, you bunghole. Then all of a sudden, Beavis, like, when he leaves, uh, Beavis is like, bunghole, huh? <laughs> bunghole. Bunghole. Yeah. Bunghole. Bunghole. Yeah. So then he's like, wow, I really am a dirtbag underneath it all. I just didn't realize, <laughs> you know, because no one like Butthead was there to bring that out. But right. I like Al's approach where basically I want to live because I don't want them to be happy. <laughs> I'm not letting them have this life. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, and that's what I'm that's, that's that's kind of my point where it plays into the whole Bundy theme of like misery loves company. Al just wanted it selfishly. He didn't even do it for his family. Yeah. He did it for him because he, they would have been better off. Yeah. It's the opposite of the. Uh... Yeah. So instead of hanging it up, you know, instead of going to Willoughby, then, uh, <laughs> you know. Willoughby, next stop, Willoughby. <laughs> Uh, apparently it means a lot in heaven with the chicks if you have wings. Now, that would imply that you still score in heaven, right? I guess, is that what's going on up there? I guess I would, if you go I to a Jimi so. Hendrix concert, then you can score. Yeah, like, heaven is a very, it's a very different place in the eyes of the Mary with Children. Uh, Michael Moy and, and Ron Levin. Ron Levin. I gotta have something to look forward to, bro. So I would hope so. Yeah, it sounds better <laughs> than... heaven I'm, I might actually want to go to. Yeah, yeah th right. this heaven sounds more appealing than the one I've been told about for the last 30 years. Jimi Hendrix concerts? Come on. Chicks. Yeah. So uh, he, he shows Al what it would have been like if Al was never born. Al walks into this 
nicely decorated house, tree and all. It's already different. Um, it's funny that they'd even go into Al's house. Like, why would that be relevant if Al was never born? But okay. Turns out Peg <laughs> lives there. All right. Her right, hair yeah. is up. She's cooking. She's energetic. She's positive. Al says hi to Peg. He's happy to see her for some reason. And um, Sam says what, probably the best joke of the episode. Peg, it's me and my angel. <laughs> she doesn't know you're there, buddy. Just like when you're having sex. <laughs> oh my god that was great that's never (laughs) not great oh man wait a second she's cooking she told me she was allergic to fire gee that's weird I guess after I died women started lying huh well I'll tell you if they ever start using sex to get what they want I'm out of (laughs) here Yeah. Which is also funny because she smokes. Yeah, yeah. How could she light the cigarettes? <laughs> and she just cooked Thanksgiving dinner, what, a few weeks ago? Right, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody's smart in this uh, show. <laughs> yeah. So apparently Peg would have moved into that house regardless uh, whether or not she was married to Al. <laughs> she would have had the same exact kids, same looking everything even if it was with another guy <laughs> right, right like that stuff always i find funny and i and even i know like i talk about sometimes uh since we're doing this podcast we look into things a little deeper and and whatever but i gotta say that even years ago i i realized that too i'm sure everybody did right like you're like well why are buddy and kelly still here why do they still live in this house oh yeah I, and it's just I think it serves two purposes. One, it just sort of fits in with the way that this show does things. They don't right. And two, it's cheap. <laughs> they're yeah, not going to build a whole other set. Right, and it shows a direct impact rather than, like, a more vague one. Like, because if it's just Peg, then we don't get the gag that Bud is totally different, Kelly's totally different. Right. You know? But the other aspect is... When you're talking of like a dream sequence or like a, uh, you know, a sequence like what, what's happening now, like I don't know what you would call it, but you can get away with literally anything. They don't care in the real world right. if you're gonna add that 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 other element to it. You can do whatever you want and and kind of spin it however way you want in terms of like how it's gonna play out. Yeah, it's a perfect point because this isn't a reality of. Al not being, uh, never existing. This is Al's subconscious dream of how he sees this all playing out. Right. So the, as much as he could wrap his mind around that concept, all these people are still here. It's just him who's not here. Yes, So exactly. in, in that sense, that's how you get past this whole uh, quote-unquote plot hole. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not a plot hole. Furthermore, it's just easily like you could easily look past it, too, because 
the stuff that they get away with normally is one thing, but like you said, you add this element to it, and it's like, all right, <laughs> like all all bets are all bets are off at this point, you know. Right. Um, I, I wanted to say something too, though, about because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, it was cool to see Katie Seagal doing like you know even a slightly different thing. Yeah. You know, it was cool though because I was I started thinking about it and. I've I don't love the show, but I do watch Modern Family with Ed O'Neill in it too. And man, between that and then her on Sons of Anarchy, they are both such good actors and actors. Like it's ridiculous how good they are. And it only got highlighted because I realized something. Now, they've had all this time to kind of flesh out their characters on the show, right? Mm-hmm. This is not by any means taking anything away from Kinnison because just his delivery, what he does in stand-up comedy. And yeah, I know he's an actor, but the way he delivered his lines was not on that same like laid back, like we, we've done this a million times uh, attitude that Peg and, and Al had. Like you could tell. And I find, okay, when in situations like this, when a comedian comes in, especially ones that I like, I love watching them because even when he's talking about the serious stuff, like he's doing it in a way where like, you know who this guy is and it's, it's hilarious just to watch him. I got a smile on my face the whole time. Even if he isn't saying punchlines, like I'm loving it, but you do really nothing to take away from him, but you do have a, an appreciation for for what they built in terms of like the show and fleshing out the characters like these guys just hop right into it and yeah it's shallow like people and they play the same type of characters or whatever but seeing what i've seen from these two actors you know obviously katie doing i mean come on that's like a role of a lifetime <laughs> and 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 o'neill and a bunch of other things but specifically modern family too they really are so good and it shows when you put like a stand-up comedian like kinnison where it's just different it's a different yeah, it's way just different right it. it's all it's all I it think is he did, i think he held his own but he did like you said he doesn't have that like um there's just something that that craft that like uh thing that you cra- I guess crafted over the years and like you're they're they're very in tune in such a way right. that you can't be you do get the sense that we all realize there's a guest appearance here a guest appearance here and it's funny because yeah and I specifically remember him saying yeah and he's explaining something and there's just something on his face where like He's nailing the lines, yes. Right. And, and but you can just tell that from his background and stand-up comedy and stuff like that, like it's all whatever. Like there's different ways you can look at a lot of comedic actors. Like sometimes I like their stand-up more in that medium as opposed to like do you know or like I like Joe Rogan's podcast as opposed to you know watching him on Fear Factor or something. Like same people, just different way to deliver information. Mm-hmm. And I thought that in that setting, it was so perfect and. Because it was perfect to highlight that, like I said, those two actors um, that have and, and that lived-in feeling that you get from watching them. Like, oh wow, you really do feel like you've grown with them. But on the opposite side of that, seeing somebody like Kinnison come in, where like getting into those old '80s, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, comedians, uh, whether it be Richard Pryor or whatever, like that. Like, I love some of his stuff, but like. I'm sorry. Anything like Kinnison does, like across the board, I think he's the most consistent. He had a couple bad, not I wouldn't say bad, mediocre um, stand-up 
things that I've seen. Oh, well, well, the drug days, oh my God. People were throwing things at him and, and demanding their money back. Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> he's had horrible stand-up shows, yeah. HBO backed out of a special that he oh, was wow. supposed to be doing. Okay, yeah. And it's funny, all that oddly happened before this. Oh, it did? Oh, yeah. By the end of the 80s, Sam Kinison's reckless behavior was turning off fans and media outlets. He was commanding lower fees for gigs. And in 1988, Sam was even dropped by his talent agency. His third album, Leader of the Band, sold poorly. And HBO backed out of a planned comedy special. The performances started to suffer. People started throwing things at him, demanding refunds. And it was at that point that something had to change. The trappings of success, how far he fell from grace. He was doing stuff that just wasn't, it was a, a shadow of his former self. It was almost like a guy who wasn't that talented doing a Sam Kinison impression. Even Kinison couldn't deny that his lifestyle was killing his career. In 1990, he began attending AA meetings, and publicly, he was claiming sobriety. It's hard to go clean and sober. It's hard to get up on that stage once you've done it, intoxicated. But he kept trying, and he really did give it a strong shot. It was insane, dude. Like, he has stories about walking into parties and, like, you know, guys were doing, like, inch-long lines of coke and stuff. And then when he walked in the party, oh, look, look who's here, look who's And then, like, like they dragged coke about, like, a foot long across the table. Go, all right, man, yeah. And then, you know, and he's like, well, you know, everybody expects me to do this. I'm that guy, so you know, I'm right. not going to let them all down. So he would actually do it. And then he would tell stories about how his heart was racing like a, a hummingbird. Yep. You know, and he was like, oh, my God, please just let me live through this night and, and get to the and, and as soon as I feel, I'll never do this again until I feel better. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he used to say. Reminds me of Farley, too, a lot. You're talking about it. Well, yep, yep. So, yeah, he was he was he lived the rock rock star life. And that was the whole thing. And, and that's like what I'm attuned to. Like, that's what I kind of gravitate to. That's what I identify with. And I feel like. And he's the perfect guy for this show because this is like a rock star show to me. This is like a badass show. It's not like some goody two show. Uh, you know, right. it's not obviously not the Cosby's and it's even uh, more than Roseanne in that sense. It's even darker and, and more, uh, you know, um, you know, just less family oriented. I would say that in turn, like I, I, that's a good comparison to Roseanne, but this is more like over the top, uh, the over the top cartoony aspect of a of a real life sitcom. And then if you're looking for a guest appearance, then yeah, like get Kinison for that because that's exactly his personality. Yeah. He's over the top. He's you know in your face. He's controversial. He's you know, like. I don't know. Not not all comedians are the same, but yeah, man, I agree. Like, this is totally my style. It's oh, yeah. just so ridiculous and offensive, yet so true at the same time. Which you know, like Jamie was saying too, you got to have that darkness in you to you know that that yeah to get to the comedy. That that truth, yeah, for sure. It's great to see him come full circle and and show up on a show he was supposed to you know uh, headline. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Well, you're home a trifle late, dear. Oh, yes, I know. Regrettable, but necessary. 
I had to stop on the way home to soundly thrash a bully who was making lewd and suggestive comments to some female school chums. <laughs> oh, mother. When will men realize that the delicate flower of womanhood must be allowed to bloom in freedom? You're such a fine young man. I knew it would pay to breastfeed you till you were nine. <laughs> Like, why are you having him come off as some, like, hoity-toity kid with a, a sweater wrapped around, you know, tied around his neck and all this other stuff and glasses, yet he just got done beating the crap out of a, a guy who was talking dirty to girls? I, I It kind of goes together, but then it kind of, like, I don't see him doing that, though. It's to just have him a dork and how beating up a bully factors in. I guess that just highlights that he's I, I don't even know. I don't I don't I'm know. confused. <laughs> now that I'm now that I'm talking about it, I'm even more confused. But I like how we're talking about that instead of the idea that he was breastfed till he was nine. <laughs> I think that's what we should be focusing on here. Oh my god. Do you need any money, dear? Oh no. I could never take money from you. You and father have given me the greatest gift of all. The gift of life. Would he feel it if I kicked him? <laughs> no, but for a little extra cash, I could give him your dog's face. Would you take an IOU? Not from him. Like, is that real? You could? A guardian angel could turn my face right now into a dog's face if, if whoever's watching us is... Uh... Not happy with me? Right. So Kelly comes home from college of all places, <laughs> which is weird. Why, Jamie? Because she flunked lunch in high school. <laughs> <sighs> and much like Jamie, she is frigid. <laughs> right. We know our own. <laughs> <laughs> if pleasures of the flesh muddy the thinking, then that explains a lot because... She just has a glob of mud in her skull. <laughs> At this point, right? I mean. Oh, Budrick. <laughs> you look fabulous. You really must be popular with the ladies. Well, I've broken a few hearts, but gained some good friends. <laughs> and you, dear sister, are you still frigid? <laughs> yes, but pleasures of the flesh muddy the thinking. Um, now, why is Bud asking her this question at all, especially in front of their mother? Like, do normal brothers, even nice ones or whatever they're supposed to be, do they ask their sister if they are partaking in sexual pleasure? <laughs> like, I don't understand that. Well, I assume it's supposed to be the opposite of him calling her a slut, which he does right. all the time. However, right. it doesn't fit in with his character here because he just got finished complaining about how men treat women right. yep. and so it doesn't seem like i don't know it doesn't fit like if if that's truly how he was then he wouldn't be asking her if she were frigid you know he would uh, it just doesn't fit but you know obviously it's just supposed to be the opposite you know but, why, why is it called frigid that seems like there's something wrong with you doesn't frigid sort of seem like you have some issue? <laughs> like oh, yeah. Cold. Well, yeah, it does imply that. You know, it's you're icy, you're cold, you're vehemently and adamantly against it. So, yeah, there it, it does actually imply that there is an issue. <laughs> hmm. Like you have a 
you have a thing. It's not. <laughs> it's not that you just haven't done it. You know, it's right. just that you have an issue. So. Well, hey, can I get back to this whole butterfly thing again? <laughs> this butterfly effect. No, because he, here's my thing, right? What what would you guys classify this as? It's like an alternate reality, right? Well, without Al and his, but his interpretation of it. But yeah, okay. Yeah. But but at the same time, it's. So Kinnison refers to it. He goes, "No more time travel for me. Give me the runs." So now I'm thinking time travel. So now, so now, does that just imply that he went back? I think it's just bad writing. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree. And honestly, Dan, I didn't even catch it. Yeah, me neither. Until you, until you just said it. So yeah, I don't think anybody did. Good call. Yeah, that's just something that kind of went under the radar, and nobody really thought about it's pretty amazing that you caught that actually yeah he says no more t- no more time travel for me it gives me the runs and i'm like well okay so does that mean that they start over time without al existing is that what this is saying? it's just I- wow. i'm confused by the whole thing the only way it's not sloppy writing is if sam kennison is basically implying that he's done that before and he doesn't do any more time travel stuff because it gives him the runs and it's not necessarily referring to what he's doing right now with Al. That's how that line would work, and it probably is how he meant it. Yes, but pleasures of the flesh muddy the thinking. She's right, you know. I saved myself for marriage. Oh, come on! The football team retired her jersey! she wasn't putting out <laughs> now speaking of these uh two chicks with this new sexual thing they're doing um turns out peg saved herself for marriage why because al isn't alive <laughs> like why why did the football team not retire her jersey in this world just because al isn't in <laughs> existence <laughs> i know i mean because it's pretty clear he's not the first one to get at her. Right. So, I mean, because they ended up together. So I don't imagine he was the impetus for her having such a reputation. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, fate or God knew that she would eventually have a horrible sex life. So he gave her a wild youth prior to meeting Al. And since God knew that Al would not exist he figured she doesn't need to go through all that in order to experience normal sex life at any point in her life i guess that's one way to look at it (laughs) i don't know um another is oops (laughs) another mistake just like time travel (laughs) yeah and then again we gotta remember this is just al's version of what would life would be would be like without him so well, that's true too, and and like any man, he would he loves to imagine that <laughs> without him, there would be no sex. Mm-hmm. Well, there was hardly any with him. So, <laughs> I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. It's Daddy. And who walks in singing? I just saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Jefferson himself, Ted McGinley, enters the Bundy house for the first time in history as Norman 
Jablonski. <laughs> it's so funny. Like Dan said uh, on the last show, if you really didn't watch these in order and you saw this episode in the midst of season, like, you know, six or seven or eight, you'd be like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why they have Jefferson, why they like swapped right. husbands. Um, <clears throat> but no, this is his first appearance ever on Married with Children. They had no idea that he was ever going to be on the show again. They just happened to really like him in this guest yeah. appearance, you know? <clears throat> and it wasn't like a huge, huge role. But like it was big enough, you know. Like you could tell he he could he was like you know he's doing a little acting there for sure. Yeah, and he just he really seems to fit in with this show, and it's it's just uh, a great thing, you know. And um, he he did great here, like he really played the fine line of being a little obnoxious. Uh, only from Al's perspective, but not being obnoxious in a real-world perspective with right. his lines and the way he delivered them. You know what I thought would have been funny, though, and what I was expecting uh, upon doing this episode the first time, I was expecting it to be Steve. And Oh, right. You know how, because a lot of times if you... And that's usually the way TV shows do it. If right. You, um, if they redo the reality or whatever, it, it always ends up being person that they would never be with now i fully expected steve to be her husband and i just figured that's how that would go and no it wasn't so then yes when jefferson walks in not jefferson but norman (laughs) mcginley walks in it's surprising yeah like like we said knowing the future makes it all that much cooler and and strange too because uh i wonder if that hurts it for some people like oh man he, you know, he's he's Jefferson, and they didn't know, so it's kind of like, why do they use the same guy again? But the thing is, Jefferson's basically so likable that really nobody does complain about it. So that's the cool thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, and you know what's interesting is that it's not uncommon for TV shows to do that, to right. introduce an actor as, a you know, into a bit part and then bring them on later. And I guess they just figure... Either no one will notice or no one will care or what are you going to do about it, even if you do. But, in, uh, right. for instance, in Golden Girls, there is a uh, there is a person that Rose dates for a very long time named Miles. I mean, she it's like a solid relationship that she has with him. But before we meet him as that person, we meet him previously in just a bit part. And right. you don't. I never realized it until I was go like watching the shows in syndication and I'm like, well, wait a minute, what's he doing there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. that show is notorious for, <laughs> they have zero continuity. And if you watch the shows in syndication, it's really obvious. So, um, it always cracks me up because I mean, I guess when all of these shows came out, Obviously, newer ones won't be that way, and that's something I guess new show creators have to take into consideration. But when these older shows came out, they weren't expecting people necessarily to watch them all. And of course, syndication existed, yes, but they weren't, people didn't have DVD sets and people didn't do podcasts, for instance, where they would actually talk about things in a group. Right. These intricate details, right? and pick them apart you know it was very casual so i wonder exactly how much that has changed how shows are written 
Well, Jamie, um, so I, I know what you're saying, like, back then, because, like, using somebody like like Ted there and have him coming in, first of all, like, like Alex, you were just saying, I think it adds to it. Like, I think it's cool knowing that, yeah, he comes on later, and obviously he's, like, you know, a regular on the show. Like, I just think it makes it cooler. But, like, yeah, I think nowadays, like, y- you know what I keep thinking of, Jamie, is your friend Lee that they kept using him for The Walking Dead as yes. one of the saviors, right? Like, yes. all all season. And if you think about it, right, especially for, like, a whole season like that, it makes sense that you would use the same people for not only continuity purposes, but just in real life, like, convenience. Why wouldn't you use the same people? Like, you know, they've already gone through the process. Like, they've already been on screen before. Like, why not use those people? So I think it boils down to, even back then, is just convenience. Like, we worked with these people. We know they work, and we want to use them in any capacity um, we can, you know? And, And I don't know. I wonder if if they realized back then, you know, that he was going to become a series regular, that they would use him in that capacity. But like, like you said, I don't care. I think it's awesome, man. I think it's like such a cool thing to look back on and, and, and trace back the origins. Yeah, that exact. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, Ooh. it's like a fun little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Right. There they go again. <laughs> you know, those wings you've been wanting. Yeah. You think you could make a pair out of this guy's kidneys? Hey, don't worry about him, buddy. I checked in his future. By the time he's 60, his stomach is so ulcerated that... Oh, well, that's you. (laughs) Sorry, man. Sorry. You know, us already speaking about him coming back as Marcy's husband. It's funny because, like, uh, can you imagine if uh, Sam Kennison said, Don't worry about it, Bundy. I checked in his future. He's going to be married to uh, a chicken in a few months after her husband <laughs> jumps ship. <laughs> like, can you imagine that? That'd be so weird. Now, at this point, were they aware that Steve was going to eventually be leaving? Yeah. Or were things just tumultuous at this time? Or did that, I mean, did they, that part was already in motion? Yeah, supposedly, um, as we guessed, somebody uh, sent us a message about it. Supposedly, exactly as we guessed it, um, the, the nine seven six shoe episode mm-hmm. that they wrote that as the starting point for Steve's departure. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting that at this point they knew he was leaving, so they probably had an idea where they were going to take the show, but right. didn't know this much and. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they didn't know where they were going to take the show. Maybe they didn't have an idea for her to have another husband until they worked with Ted McGinley. And then they're like, hey, we like this guy. Let's right. bring him in as her as Steve's replacement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I can't even wait to get to that whole part. But we, it's funny. We have like we're going to have to finish out season four with nobody as the husband. But that's cool, too, because Marcy dates around and that's pretty funny, too. And then we finally get to Jefferson, which is great. Oh, by the way, dear, I didn't have a chance to finish the Christmas cookies. I had a run-in with a shoe salesman today. There she goes. She's leaving them. No one can resist a shoe salesman. I was only trying on shoes for a couple of hours, and he barked at me. He was a rude, smelly, uneducated little man. Imagine a grown man selling shoes for a living. <laughs> <laughs> But let us remember the old adage, I lamented I had no shoes. 
until I saw the man who sold them. I think it's actually a Helen Keller quote. And she said, I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Wow, that's crazy. I never even realized that or knew that. So basically, you know, don't bitch. Because <laughs> someone's worse off than you are. <laughs> this from Helen Keller, who, you know, she's and she's basically saying, like, hey, I felt sorry for myself until I found somebody worse off. Who's worse off? <laughs> like, seriously. And if they are, how would she know? Uh, yeah. I, and had she know he has no feet, does she go around grabbing people's ankles or something? That's it, dude. It's got to be, right? <laughs> it has to be. Hey, do you guys know why Helen Keller fired her maid? Why? She left the plunger in the toilet. Toilet. <laughs> 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 wow. Yeah, that's a weird quote from her. I mean, you think you wouldn't want to fire someone for that if you... Yeah, no, she probably liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Helen Keller, like, her whole life is just blackness and silence? Like, how weird is that? I mean, I always I always have tried to picture that. And it's um, it's just that's just like being completely I mean, losing having the loss of one sense right. is one thing, you know, but there are still ways to communicate and figure things out. And obviously she did. But eventually, but it's just so difficult to imagine being so closed off from everything around you. Right. <laughs> it also must be difficult sitting on the toilet with a plunger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, depends who you talk to. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty wild that she she did that quote and they bastardized it. I like that. So uh, in this reality, the kids don't need presents because love is enough here. And that really infuriates Al. <laughs> But gee, this was fun. <laughs> what do we do next? Go back in time to the day I should have been conceived? Watch my father invent the condom? <laughs> no more time travel for me. It gives me the runs. <laughs> Besides, Bundy, you're the one who wanted to see what life would be like if you'd never been born. So grin and bear it. Family, I have a little announcement. I do have... A special Christmas present for everyone. I've watched you all suffer in this hovel for years, but over the years, I've been saving. And that, along with Mommy's sewing money, has allowed me to buy us a new house. A mansion, really. So how about joining me in a Wojablonski? Wojablonski! Christmas. Let's just stand here and love each other. <laughs> Kids. Oh. I love you. 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 Now that's the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bundy, I failed you. I was supposed to show you why you should live, but I can't think of one darn reason. I'll never get my wings now. And you know what kind of woman you get in heaven driving around a 78 Pinot? The same kind of woman you get down here driving around a 78 Pinot. Pintos are little cars. Tiny. Um, little bitty dinky cars. 
Pintos are ridiculous. <laughs> Isn't that the thing that uh, Wayne and Garth were driving around in in Wayne's World? <laughs> that Is that the Mirthmobile? <laughs> I was thinking they had a Gremlin. Did they not? I mean, I don't remember. Oh, I haven't man. seen that in a long time. Yeah, but... it looks it looks similar. If you got to spew, spew in this. <laughs> spew into this. Uh, how about when Sam Kennison walks over and pinches Peg's ass? <laughs> how awesome is that? Like, you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, he's just the worst angel ever. <laughs> oh no, they had a pacer, which is just as bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah but it was all uh, yeah. The car is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. I want to be back with my family. Why? Look at them. They're happy. Not a care in the world. You think I'm going to let that happen after all the grief they put me through? I want to live. Honey, are you serious? That means I'm going to be an angel. I'm going to get my wings. I'm going to be a real angel. That's pretty interesting. Like, George Bailey decided he wanted to live again, and it's a wonderful life. Because everything around, and, and that this is a true description, like the way they did it wrong and said, uh, we see what Al's neighborhood would be like without him. In It's a Wonderful Life, that actually was the case. And he went around all of Bedford Falls, and everybody was in just a worse position. Like every one of his friends, his wife was like an old maid. Kids didn't exist. It was just a very dark, lonely world. Potter took over, and it was called Pottersville instead of Bedford Falls. His brother died because he wasn't there to save him. Right. A lot of things happened uh, to make uh, this, and that's why he wanted to live again. And for in this one, Al just wants them to be miserable because <laughs> everyone's right. thriving and happy, and they're going to have a nice house pretty soon, and this and that. And Peg has a good-looking husband now who apparently has a good job you know so it's all like very it's very different the whole spirit of it is this wrong no yet they're living in the same house right yeah (laughs) exactly yeah uh now have you guys ever uh thought about that like played that out in your head like what life would be like if you didn't exist it's it's a real narcissistic thing to do so i only did it twice or 200 times (laughs) but uh like like i remember when i was a kid i used to imagine myself dead in a coffin at my wake and like picture everybody crying and i was like yeah that's right (laughs) and then some guys would uh would start playing uh, a beautiful song on his guitar with a bucket on his head (laughs) yeah he's gonna play that at my at my wake (laughs) Well, I was going to say, like, I really have never pictured that my absence would have that much of an impact. Well, now it would with all these shows you've done. Oh, man. Oh, that's mm-hmm. too big of a rabbit hole. I can't go down that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't. I can't. Oh, just because. I look today on YouTube. I get an update, like a monthly update, and it tells me how many minutes were listened to. So, oh my God! Yeah, so like sixty-two thousand minutes of people's time would have been spent another way, and we could have butterfly affected, changed the course of their entire lives. Like they might have just shown up somewhere else, or been doing something else, and ended up in a different situation, and saw someone that, or bumped into somebody that turned out to be a bad ordeal, or whatever. You know, like it's it's weird. <laughs> we have affected lives just because of of doing these shows. You know. 
But first, first I'm gonna go take a look at my ex-wife. You really did love her, huh? No. No, I just want to put a package of ding-dongs just out of reach of her pork pie fingers. And then as she uses that thousand-pound bump over the table, lifts up three of her chins, so she's able to put one of them into her mouth, I'm gonna turn them into me! A 20-year-old Ronnie Corpse! How do you like that, Thelma? Daddy's over at Christmas! You pig! You slut! Take it right to the And he just screams, spins around, and disappears. And Al's just watching all this, and he just gives him a thumbs up as he disappears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. You just feel like you saw something really cool, something special, and it just... It... He so comes going to leave or turn into Wonder Woman. <laughs> Is that what she did to become <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <It was> a lasso. <laughs> um... But yeah, he came in so hot that it was nice to uh, it was nice to see a uh, an equally awesome uh, exit. So when I met Ted McGinley in 2014 or 15, I had a whole discussion about Married with Children and this episode in particular because you know it was his first appearance, and he told me that it was great hanging out with Sam and all this other stuff. He's a great guy, but he said. The first day of filming, Sam actually didn't show up. And, you know, everybody on the set of the show was like chickens with their heads cut off, running around. What are we going to do? Was this a huge mistake? Oh, my God. You know, he already built up the reputation in the late late 80s of, you know, HBO canceling, all these other things. And, you know, people demanding their money back, you know. So they just figured it was that kind of a deal. And remember, this is very late. Uh, 89 so Sam was already cleaning up around this point that's why he kind of did so good on the show but you know nobody really knew he you know I'm sure fell off the wagon quite a few times but uh, he said that to make up for not coming in that day the next day that he did come in to shoot his scenes that he like catered in all this amazing food all these great drinks this and that got everybody little gifts and this here and there so he said he like made up for it apologized everybody you know showered them with all this stuff and uh they went and shot it and everybody loved it and it was history you know so that was really uh pretty cool hey guys want to represent the marriage children podcast go to tpublic.com t-e-e-p-u-b-l-i-c Com. Just go to the search bar and type in Married With Children Podcast. They have everything you need to rep your favorite podcast, tank tops, long sleeve shirts, baseball t-shirts, crew necks, hoodies. They even have these in kid sizes, phone cases for all different styles and sizes, laptop case, stickers, wall art, notebooks, mugs, pillows, tote bags, travel mugs, you name it. They got it all, guys. And for great prices, go to tpublic.com for all your Married with Children podcast representational needs. Now, get up! Peg, you know me? (laughs) Well, of course I know you. Why do you think I didn't help you up? <laughs> Al does the whole, 
thing that happened in It's a Wonderful Life. The Peg, you know me? And then she goes, because uh, that's what um, when yeah. George Bailey, when he was on the bridge and he existed again, the cop pulled up on the side. And he goes, Bert, you know me? He goes, do I know you? So that was pretty cool. They tied that in. Um, yeah. And by the way, in the in the Beavis and Butthead uh, parody, It's a Miserable Life, Butthead <laughs> wanted to live again because the world sucked without him, he said. <laughs> and meanwhile, everybody was better. <laughs> everybody, like, the neighborhood was doing better. Fr- all his friends and associates were happier with their life. Daria, her whole image of men was not ruined, and she had a boyfriend. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and to Butthead, all that sucked. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But quick, what's more important, love or money? Well, money, Dad, I can always rent love. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, quick, what's the color of an orange? No multiple choice? (laughs) (laughs) You mean just straight off the top of my head? (laughs) Don't worry about it, pumpkin. Peg, bake me some Christmas cookies. (sighs) Drop dead out. All right. (laughs) I get the us, the audience, and Al can hear Sam Kennison in heaven. Okay, heaven, I'm back. Open up the gates. What do you mean, where's my badge? It's in my luggage. They lost my luggage? (laughs) Sam was driving in his Trans Am with his new wife. It was about 3.34 in the afternoon. Beautiful day. Sam... For the, for the most part, was really clean. He was going to a gig, and this pickup truck with these two teenage kids in it, the kids were just out of their mind drunk, and these kids hit him. According to his brother's book, when Sam got out of the car, he said, no, not now, and then said, oh, okay, okay, and then died. So apparently, you know, there was someone on the other side saying no. You know, I, it, it wasn't supposed to be this way, but sorry, you're coming with us. Isn't that creepy? I just got the chills. Yeah, I didn't know that, dude. Wow. Yeah. I seriously had the... I mean, I am covered in goosebumps right now. That just freaked me out. Yeah, and minutes later, he stopped breathing. Oh. Efforts to resuscitate him didn't work. It was April 10th, 1992. Kinnison suffered massive head injuries and died on the side of a road, killed not by his own excesses, but by someone else's. I don't think anybody was shocked that Sam Kinnis had died. I just don't think people thought it was going to be a car accident that did him in. The tragedy is, is that he was cleaning up and going to clean up all this mess and the coke and the drinking. And then he, and of all things, he gets killed by a drunk driver. You know, irony, there's the definition of irony. Um, so he died of internal injuries while his wife was critically injured. She was taken to the closest hospital... It was revealed she suffered from a concussion but survived the accident. So uh, at 38, Sam Kennison is pronounced dead. And that's why it was the uh, we sort of mentioned earlier the whole creepy thing about um, Sam saying that he hated coming home so much that he had vanity plates made up that said, hit me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he died on April 10th, 1992 at age 38. And and now he died in 92, right? We're in um we're in May of 2018 right now, right? 
And uh, I was just listening to uh, Joe Rogan's podcast the other day. He has a lot of uh, comedians on and stuff like that. And uh, to this day, he is still revered as one of the greatest comics ever. Like, like people love him in 2018. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain people that just, like, transcend everything, like time or whatever. And, you know, who knows what it would have been like if he, uh, if he didn't die even. Like, you know, sometimes people fall into obscurity. I mean, look at Dice Clay. He's still, he's still actually doing his thing. I mean, you know, he had a TV show for a while there and stuff like that. But uh, who knows uh, what what would happen but he'll always be known as one of the greats regardless i think um uh in spite of his death you know yeah because oh yeah. like you know how some people get immortalized uh you know like kurt cobain people like that but i truly feel like uh and i use dice clay because it's the same time and same and sort of same same type of humor. same thing right and he's still alive and and people still look at him and 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 love his stuff and and they consider him one of the best too so yeah i think that regardless of his death then i mean man like jamie said that's really that's really a creepy a creepy thing and i think it just adds to his whole his whole story obviously like how how crazy his story was and you know like i said earlier about the about being you know with his head injury as a kid and stuff like that i don't know it's it's pretty crazy but yeah the, he still gets his respect in uh, in 2018 oh absolutely you know what's weird is who who actually knows what happens to comedians when they age because most of them don't make it right right i mean it's George Carlin is one of the oldest ones that I know. George Byrne, maybe you have to be named George. <laughs> I don't know. But, most, you know, I mean, most comedians just don't make it that far. Like Chris Farley, John Candy, Richard Pryor, uh, uh, Belushi. John Belushi, you know. Mm -hmm. Steve Martin's still here. The, well, Steve Martin's still here. Yeah, Eddie yeah, Murphy's still here. Bill Hicks like, is gone. Um, Ronnie Dangerfield, the thing is, he started late. And that was one reason he was never really happy in life because he became famous really late in life. So he kind of had that chip on his shoulder. You know, you know what's the best, uh, the best comedian that's still around today and he still kills it is Don Rickles. <laughs> he, but like, I was thinking, I, did he not die last year? Oh, maybe he did. I hope not. Or sometime recently. I was, I wanted to say it. Maybe he didn't. And if he, you know, if he didn't, then. I apologize, Mr. Rickles, um, <laughs> but I want to say I had heard that he did, and but he has always cracked me up. No, he's dead. He he died April 6, 2017. Okay. Oh, yeah, so it was last year. Look at me. It was almost uh, to the just over a year ago. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to mention really quick, just so I don't forget, uh, on IMDb, it says Ted McGinley first appeared as Peggy's wife in a flashback where Al wasn't born. Whoever's writing these, man, <laughs> they're fired. So shit. Not only was um, their life were their lives completely different, but now she's a lesbian. <laughs> yes, she, apparently so. <laughs> oh god! Like sometimes you know you get facts wrong, but that is just <laughs> such a blatant. Like, uh, how can you mess that up? Uh, oh my god! Um, so there's two uh, goofs continuity or character error just before al gets shocked you could see that his tool is nowhere near the light socket i actually looked at that i don't even know if that's true 
Um, I didn't like rewind it 40 times, but I remember looking and I thought it was near one of the bulbs. Maybe they were saying it... his penis was nowhere near the light socket. <laughs> his tool. <laughs> uh, when Al gets up from laying in the snow, he brushes the snow off his hair. When he and the angel go into the house, there, there is snow in his hair again. Ugh. I, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm so glad that we don't focus that, on those types of things when we do yeah, our Sometimes shit. the things that people pick out as mistakes, and I'm like, what are you, what? Yeah, these are <laughs> dumb mistakes. I'd rather listen to our show than read this stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, and one cool thing is that that outfit Sam Kennison was wearing in this episode, that was actually what he wore on stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he always looked exactly the same. Right. Well, until he went to his rock and roll Sam era. Remember that? Like in the 90s? It was the bandana now. And then uh, the black trench coat. And it was it was a little bit more like uh, trashy looking. Axel well, Rose-ish. Yeah. Which is funny because I was watching. Um, I just reviewed The Wraith on Cinema Beef. And there's a character. I don't know if you guys know that movie really well, but there's a character. I love that movie. But there's a character in that movie called Augie. And he wears a bandana and this long duster coat. I basically referred to him as, I forget what I, the something version of Sam Kennison. uh, Because he also wears a half shirt, which Sam Kennison does not, thankfully. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) But... Yeah, just picture that ensemble for a moment. Guys wearing a half shirt. Wow. Well, just stop right there. Guys wearing half shirts. I don't Period. get it. I never did get it. Right. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. But anyway, that. yeah, that was... Um, That's cool. The bandana Sam Kennison is often the one I actually picture when I think of Sam Kennison in my head. Uh, clearly because I made that joke when I was doing that podcast. But, right. you know, I don't know. I mean, I, there, but there's also the... Uh, the beret, Sam Kennison, and at one point he had shorter hair, still still not short, short, but shorter. And I always picture him as having like, like ba- basically being a fat Axl Rose. Yeah, I guess he is. He has the worst hair too. I if you look at Axl Rose today, <laughs> maybe he is. Ah, yeah, good point. Yeah, it's it's literally Kennison. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you guys want to uh, see more about him and you have, you have Amazon Prime, uh, there's Sam Kennison, Why Did We Laugh? Sam Kennison, The Scream Continues. Um, I have a DVD of his. Uh, I have the CD, Have You Seen Me Lately? That was pretty good. Um, great stuff. My wife, she sat down. I didn't think she'd be into it. She liked it, though. He gets into some really good stuff. We played a little bit last week. You know, the whole, uh, why do you live in the desert when there's no food here? (laughs) That whole bit. Um, (laughs) It's just great. I love Sam Kennison. Um, I loved doing these two shows. And, you know, these are definitely, this is the longest show we've ever done. And this this is, you know, we've done two-parters on this podcast before. And even then, they don't last this long. So... We knew this would happen, even though last week's show wasn't as long as, you know, it was only an hour and a couple minutes, but uh, we knew that this second half would be longer. We didn't want to have like a four hour podcast, you know, so. Yeah, 
Alex, I also want to say, too, in terms of this, uh, you know, being a Christmas episode, um, <clears throat> it's it's really hard to keep things fresh every year, I think, uh, in terms of, like, watching watching different things and mixing the old stuff, you know? I try and switch it up every year, though. Try and get some, some new movies in, whether, you know, like, and we do the same thing for Halloween, too, right? When you get watched watch lists going and stuff like that but um this was never this was never a part of mine but it 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 undoubtedly is going in the rotation now because first of all too it's a it's like a half hour sitcom i mean in this in this case it's an hour or whatever but it's just it's so fun and it's so different from a lot of the stuff people were doing with Christmas, like we said earlier. Um, and it's just a nice take on it, man. And it's funny and, and it fits the show perfectly. I mean, you know, it just has balls and, 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 and like I said, it's hard to, um, it's hard to mix it up. And, and a lot of the Christmas episodes are, are kind of the same where they have this really feel good, you know, thing at the end and, and which is great, which is great, but it is nice to have a counter to that, you know, cause even though like at the end, to this it's still you know a happy ending it still falls that formula oh, yeah. hey, nobody feels bad at the end of this yeah yeah exactly but it's in bundy fashion you know and it's it's got that it's got that tone to it so um this is definitely going in my my yearly christmas rotation now man i loved it nice dude oh yeah now it's time to rate it i guess no ma'am we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. So I guess we should rate it. Uh, are we giving it five bowls of flushing, four roids of throbbing, three nose hairs waving, two starving children, or one untouched wife? Jamie. Five bowls of flushing. Woo! Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. Five bowls. This episode is awesome. Hopefully, it's not the same bowl that uh, Helen Keller's gonna sit on. <laughs> oh my god! Great. Yeah, me too. Five bowls of flushing. Classic, classic episode. Yeah, just classic, iconic. I'm so glad they had Sam come on. So the first half was so great. Second half, great. It's just like, it's the perfect Christmas special, especially if you're a fan of this show. You know, we've said everything there is to say, I hope, <laughs> about this. I'm so glad we went all out. You know, we only do everything once, unless we might do a commentary later on. But So it's good to go all out on, on everything we do. Hopefully, uh, if you're a big fan of this two-parter, you're totally fulfilled with this show we've done for both of them. And it could become something you listen to every December, and uh, that'd be fun to do. You know, relive this through the podcast if you watch it every year, too. That'd be cool. Yep. Yep. So, guys, sad to leave this episode, but we have to. We have to keep moving on. So 
we are going to review Who Will Stop the Rain next week. When a rainstorm causes a leaky roof, penny-pinching Al fumbles as a handyman where he tries to fix it himself. Merry Christmas, Bosco. 